Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. First, can we... That was so good. That was Janice who, who did her testimony right there. That was so good. Like, I didn't even know she was going to do that. And I was like, that is like, that takes a lot of bravery to do that right in the middle of the song because you got a click in your ear. That is, she did such an amazing job. Moms are amazing, are they not? Like, isn't that crazy? And, and next week, this is, this is the quick promo for next week is Mother's Day, right? And I'm reminding every single male in here that is Mother's Day next, next week. So please be prepared. This is your warning. And then for moms, know this. I just want to encourage you. This, this is your chance to get anyone who you wanted to get to church to church. Do you, you know that, right? This is, your, this is your opportunity. The person that doesn't want to go to church, you can pull the card of, but it's Mother's Day. And you should, listen, there's no greater gift that you get on Mother's Day, right, than someone coming back to Jesus Christ. So use it. That's all. I, you have permission from the stage. Do it, all right? And I love, listen, my mom is, is a great person. She's here today. I'm going to not call her out because um, she will be super embarrassed, okay? Uh, you can probably find her. She'll probably be the only person in here shorter than me. So uh, you can find her like that. Uh, but she's an amazing mom. She had, we, she had four kids that at the, at when I was 16, and then I have uh, little brothers and sisters, 15, 14, 13. Yes, we're all a year apart. So, I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and she became a single mom at that point and raised the four kids. We all serve in church. We all have wonderful spouses. She has a whole ton of grandkids. So she's very happy about all that. Um, and she is an amazing mom. And I'm gonna tell a mother's story right now that every mom in here is going to think that is the most amazing story. I hope I get to do that one day. And every child in here is gonna be like, I hope that never happens to me. So I'm gonna tell you this story, okay? So this is when I was about fourth or fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, and, uh, and I went to a school called San Benito Elementary School. It was a great little elementary school. It was awesome. It was right around like this time we all went to school and the NBA playoffs were on. And this is like 96 or 97. I just remember Michael Jordan was playing and I knew that later on in the series they would play the Utah Jazz. So it was that whole era, right? And there were the playoffs and I, I think it, was in, it wasn't the NBA finals, but it was somewhere around the playoffs. And you know, when it's NBA and you're at elementary school, everybody's talking, all the boys are talking, we're all playing basketball at recess, that whole thing. And we got into a discussion with one of my friends, his name was Brandon Eckblad. And Brandon thought that he knew a stat about a player, and I cannot remember what it was. Um, and I thought I knew a stat and they were differing. And I am right always. And so, so I said, well, why don't we bet on it? And he goes, yeah, let's bet on it. And Brandon's like this cool kid at school. Brandon, Brandon was that kid that was the opposite of me. He could do everything right. Have you ever met that kid? Like we, like, you know, like there's seasons, like when you're a kid and like sometimes everybody plays basketball, sometimes everybody rides BMX bikes, sometimes everybody rollerbladed. Brandon was good at all of it. And it made me so annoyed. So I wanted to be right so bad against Brandon Neckblad. And I just didn't, like his last name was just weird, I thought. So I also wanted to be right because of that. And, uh, and Brandon and me, we created this bet, this amazing, like, you know, this amazingly large $2 bet, okay? I know this is gonna shock you, but I was wrong. <laughs> I know, listen, like, don't, don't let your world shatter right now, okay? It's, it's the only time it's ever happened. Um, 
before or since. And now I need to pay up the bet, the $2 bet, right? So I need to go get my allowance. Now, I don't know how allowances worked in your households, um, if they were piggy banks or anything like that, but our allowance worked, um, it was a book and it had numbers written in it. And whatever number was under your name, that was how much money you had. And in order to get physical money, I had to go to the bank of mom and dad and I had to withdraw the money. Now, unlike banks, my mom and dad would ask me what the money was for. And I am not the best liar. I knew the answer wasn't gonna impress my mom. And so I tried to like mumble it under my breath or something. But I said, mom, can I have my $2? And she said, why? And I said, I just, I just made a bet with a friend, Brandon, you know, Brandon, he goes to our church. I just made a bet, I just need $2 paying back. You would have thought me and Brandon were running craps tables in the schoolyard. <laughs> my mom reacted as if we had a gambling ring with all of our friends and it was a problem. I mean, you made a bet at school, Charlie, how could you make a bet at school? You know, you're not supposed to gamble, all this other kind of stuff. I don't know if my life flashed before my mother's eyes and she saw me like in 30 years in Vegas with a cigarette, just like, just like giving all my money away. I have no idea, but the reaction was intense and there was no way I was getting the money. So now as a fourth or fifth grader, I have now in my room contemplating how I'm gonna tell my friend Brandon Eggblad how I'm not gonna pay him the money. And I don't know if this is gonna be like a break my knees situation or what's gonna happen, but I'm stressed out as, as a kid. And I'm, I'm stressed out. My mom can see that I'm worried, but she's, she's obviously not too worried because she's not giving me $2. So like, <laughs> like she just kind of is like, we're gonna let this thing ride. So, um, so we get to school, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, all right, how am I gonna tell Brandon? And I get out and my mom drives in the loop. Like every, every elementary school has a loop, right? So my mom drops me off in the loop and I get out of our minivan, a green one with a gold trim. Do you guys remember those Astro vans, right? Always green with the gold trim. That was like the only color they ever sold, I felt. Um, the green with the gold trim and I got out of the van and then this is the moment and you've all had this happen where life moves in slow motion. You all know what I'm talking about? And you know what's gonna happen even though it's ridiculous that it's gonna happen, you know what's about to happen even before it happens and it's all in slow motion. Have you ever had this happen to you? I got out of the van and I saw Brandon Eckblad coming cause he took the bus and he was coming with all the bus kids down and it was in slow motion. And right then I prayed so hard. I said, please let my mom have driven away and not see Brandon, like let her not see Brandon but you couldn't miss Brandon. Brandon had the spikes in his hair. He looked like a porcupine. And it was like when you would bleach your tips. You guys remember that? And this is like 90s. It's coming back. It's crazy. Um, and he had bleached it. He looked like a glow-in-the-dark porcupine. Like, honestly, how could you miss Brandon? And he's walking and I'm praying, please, God, let my mom have left. And I looked and that green Astro van with the gold trim was sitting right there. And this moment, I just, I knew it was gonna happen. I was like, please mom, leave. And Brandon's walking. And instead of my mom leaving, the worst thing in the world that could have happened, happened. The passenger window begins to roll down. And it rolls down. My mom's not a helicopter parent, okay? 
And these are the exact words. These are, I can quote these words. I can hear these words in my brain because of how deep the scars are here. <laughs> and my mom rolls down that window and I, all I'm thinking is, please don't. And she yells out as all the kids are getting dropped off and all the bus kids are walking by and she yells out loud so everyone can hear, hey, Ekblad, not even by his first name. I don't, like, this is, we're in a bad situation. Hey, Ekblad. If I ever catch you or my son betting on school grounds again, I'll have you both suspended. My mom threatened to have me suspended. <laughs> my mom's not a helicopter mom. She'll throw, me in, she'll throw me under the bus just as quick as anybody else. If you or my son bet on school grounds again, I'll have you both suspended. And then just as if nothing happened, rolled up that passenger window and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very clear who got out of that van. <laughs> It was me. And so I walk into school and Brandon walks right next to me. And Brandon's like, hey man, like you don't have to pay me back nothing. Like, we're good, we're square. <laughs> and in that moment, I was very thankful for my mom. Um, I didn't know $2 anymore. Brandon forgave me of my debt because probably of the fear of my mother, right? Which is a good fear to have. Like, I'm not even saying that was bad, but that's why he forgave me of my debt. And today we're gonna to talk about forgiveness of debts in a parable that Jesus is gonna tell. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, we're gonna start in verse 21. But as you guys are turning there, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna turn my Bible there. We're gonna pray for the service. So go ahead, bow your, bow your head, close your eyes, or if you're still flipping, go ahead and do that. Father, God, first, thank you for moms. Thank you for... Um, God, all they do for us. Thank you for everything, including the stories they give us to tell on stage. And Father, we just pray that God, as we talk about your forgiveness, that God, it would not be my words, but yours, that Father, you would preach to us, God, with your passage and the parable that you told all those years ago, that God, not only did it apply to them, but how it can apply to us today. In your name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 18, if you want, just go to verse 21 says this then Peter came to him and said this is he's coming to Jesus Lord how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times and Jesus says to him I do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times seven for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves when he had began to settle them one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him but since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay me back what you owe. His fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went out and threw him into prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what, he had hap what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoned him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had the mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay him all that was owed. And my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's a, that's a heavy parable, right? Whew, man, we could just leave right now. Probably everyone's life has changed, but we're gonna break it down so you understand the, the depth of this parable. 
First, let's set this up really quick. Let's set up who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And at the very beginning of the chapter, you'll see that Matthew puts in there that they had asked, well, which one of us is going to be the greatest? And he, and he starts with, well, hey, you got to be like kids. Like, it's not about who's the greatest. It's about coming to me as little children. And he even gives them later on in the chapter a way to deal with disagreements in the church. He tells you exactly what to do. He says, well, if you and so-and-so have a disagreement, go to your brother to try to reprimand. And if that doesn't work, uh, not reprimand, but, but restore the relationship. And if that doesn't work, grab another brother. So everything that Jesus has done in the last chapter and even couple chapters has been to tell the disciples what being a true disciple looks like in the kingdom of heaven that's what everything he's trying to do he's just trying to teach them this is what you do this is what it looks like this is the heart you have to have behind it this is what you need to do it is not the the least you can do it's the most you can do and whatever is going on Peter has something pop in his brain that he wants clarification on right like something has either happened to him or is happening to him or maybe it's just this crazy scenario that he thinks up and so he's like so he needs to ask Jesus this question he's like hey listen I've heard everything you've been teaching us Jesus all these ways for us to step up and to do more and to be better people I just need to ask you about forgiveness and so look at verse 22 we're going to read sorry verse 21 says then Peter said to him came to Jesus and said Lord how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times now the reason that's important is because Peter would have been trained that he would only have to forgive people three times. See, in rabbinic law, three times was the amount you had to forgive your neighbor. That was it. It's derived from like a teaching in Amos that, that if, a, if a neighbor sins against you, you forgive him up to three times. And so that is what the, the rabbis would teach people. Like, yes, you forgive a neighbor up to three times. Now, Peter has been hearing Jesus and he keeps telling people to step it up. No, it's, it's more, it's about the kingdom. It's, it's more than you think it should be. And so Peter thinking that he's given like a super generous offer. He's saying, what about seven times? Let me double it and then add one. This is gonna be great. And Jesus says to him, man my guy he says my guy I do not say to you up to seven times but to 70 times seven now that's not Jesus saying that's not seven it's 490 but 491 kick him to the curb he's not trying to say that he's trying to use this illustration of like you think it's down here in your brain your super forgiveness of seven times is still so far below what I'm calling you to that you need to understand that what I'm asking you to do is far above anything you can think of. Now our flesh, we like to know where the lines are, right? Like we like that. We like to know how close we can get to the line sometimes without getting in trouble, right? That's sometimes what you wanna hear from the sermon. Like, well, is this wrong? That's a lot of questions pastors get. Is this, is this wrong? If I do this, is that wrong? What about if I, if I just go here, but don't say anything, is that wrong? Like, you know, all these things, like, it's like, what's wrong? And we try to draw these lines and it's a lot like what we see in government, right? Like government will give us laws and, and reasons and they'll say, this is the standard. You just don't go below this and you won't go to jail. Like that's what they set the lowest standard you have to do to not go to jail. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm gonna call you far and beyond all that. It's not the lowest you can do, it's the most you can do. But Peter, still living in his flesh, wants to know the boundaries. And that's something that you'll have to deal with in your heart, that your flesh will wanna put boundaries on mercy. That's what your flesh is gonna wanna do. Your flesh is always gonna wanna put boundaries on mercy. 
it's always going to want to fight against you and tell you that enough is it like no I'm not I'm not forgiving them anymore I'm not doing it I can't do it anymore they are rotten evil people I cannot forgive them I cannot do that now I just need to clarify forgiveness is not a feeling so if you're hoping that one day you're going to feel like nothing towards someone that doesn't mean that that's forgiveness forgiveness is this action that I do of literally letting go of whatever that person did and what I mean is this that what they did to me wrong for sure biblically wrong I'm not going to hold it against them and use it as an excuse I'm not going to hold on to it and use it as an excuse of why I get to act the way I act of why I get to treat them like I treat them which would be a way Jesus doesn't treat them I don't get to use it as my excuse on how I get to behave or why I react in certain ways if I truly forgive someone I let them go now I'm going to clarify this right now because this is scary to some of you because some people have done very very awful things to you and what you're hearing me say is that forgiving them tells you that now you can just bring them right back into the fold and act like nothing ever happened that's not what I'm saying at all I'm saying you cannot hold on to it hold it over their head using an excuse of why you are the way you are you act the way you act or react the way you you react you got to let that go because forgiveness has no boundaries but let me tell you what does have about what does have boundaries there should always be boundaries on trust but not forgiveness and this is what I mean there should always be boundaries on trust but not forgiveness so and I'm going to give the one exception to this rule just a little bit later but a boundary on trust means this I forgive you but I not I cannot in good conscience let you into the realms you used to be into my life anymore why well it's not because I want to protect myself it's because I want to love you better uh, let me use this I have I have two dogs at my house Bruno and Remy Remy I've had for 10 years all right Remy knows the rules of the house sometimes he breaks the rules of the house but he knows the rules of the house Bruno is my six-month labradoodle he's amazing but he doesn't know the rules of the house he will chew things he will pee in the house he will do all that kind of stuff so to help Bruno be successful I will put him in his crate if I cannot watch him because I do not want him to fail in the house while I'm not watching him I don't want him to make a mistake that he doesn't know is a mistake yet or he doesn't have the self-control that he should have yet and so I'm not going to set him up for failure by getting upset at him by not putting him in a place where I know I can trust him outside both the dogs are untrustworthy all right I don't know why I feed these dogs all the time and if that gate is open they run out all right and they do things in the other people's neighbor's yards that I will not say from the stage and the neighbors get mad at me and so I have to have a gate right why not because I don't love my dogs but because I love them enough to know that I need to trust them within this area and if I don't do that then I'm going to get upset that they did something same thing with people you cannot be mad at someone else because they came into your boundary and dumped their garbage on your lawn when you allowed them to get there and then get upset with them and yell at them and treat them like you don't love them when all you had to do was set a boundary for them not so that you could protect yourself but that you could love them the best that you can which means I'm not going to set them up for failure which means I'm not going to tell them the deep and dark things that are going on in my life because they haven't earned that right 
In fact, they've broken that right, so I need to keep them at a boundary so that I can love them the best. Now, they might not see that, and sometimes they get hurt by that, but you know in your heart, that's why you have your boundary up. Not so that you can punish them, not so that you can hurt them, not anything like that, because you want to love them the best that you can. And sometimes that means that you cannot let them in the front gate because they have not earned that right. That has nothing to do for forgive, with forgiveness. You can forgive them and allow them to talk to you from outside the gate. That is totally fine. Now, the only situation that this does not work is with your spouse. Why? Seriously. You cannot set your spouse up literally or figuratively outside the gate. Um, but this is the reason why. When you married your spouse, you two became one, right? So it's no longer your, your yard and her yard or your yard and his yard. It's now our yard. And I can't set boundaries of trust against myself. I can set boundaries for myself so that I can trust myself so I don't go certain places or do certain things or act certain ways around certain people that I know I can't be trusted. I can do it, but it's not to keep them outside. It's to keep them closer. Does that make sense? So with your spouse, you're not setting up boundaries to keep them farther apart. You're setting up boundaries sometime on the outside so you can keep them closer, so that you can trust them fully. And if you're not there yet, couple, work toward that place. Do not allow yourself to have two separate yards and just say, well, that's just how we do it. That's just how we, well, that's how we handle our things. We don't argue because, well, we don't see each other. That, that's not how it works. We have counseling. We have all kinds of things that you can use inside this church to make sure that that relationship is restored. And so this is, that's the only time where you don't use that. Okay, so moving on, moving on. Now listen, Jesus is gonna show us, he has that story to show us the extreme of why this matters, why forgiveness can have no boundaries. So he tells us this parable. For this reason, in the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Let me tell you how much 10,000 talents is. One talent, one talent is 6,000 denarii. One talent, 6,000 denarii. One denarii is what you got every day when you ended your work in, in a normal working environment in this, in this era. Okay, just one denarii. So this man owes, one talent will be 6,000 days of work and he owes 10,000 talents. That's 200,000 days of work that this man owes to the king. And it says, when he began to settle them, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he had not had the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children, all that he had and repayment to be made. Again, 200,000 years that he owed this king. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. He will never be able to repay everything. It's an impossibility. The king knows this. But the Lord felt that the slave, the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. Now, if you're wondering that word slave, just so you guys know, slave would mean someone who's in service to. So the best description I can give is there's a president and then the president has his cabinet. The cabinet is in service to the president. So it's not, it's not like a slave that just works for free. It's a someone who, who can attain debt and can attain wealth at this point. So this man who's in service to the king owes that king 10,000 talents, 200,000 years of work and and that king felt compassion on him and relieved him of all that debt. Everything. Didn't, didn't, didn't make it smaller. Didn't say, well, I'll pay half. Or, or didn't say, we can spread this out over a 30-year with 2% interest. Like, he didn't do anything like that. He said, it's done. 
it's forgiven verse 28 but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii 100 days of work not a small amount but nowhere near do you see the differences this man oh i can't even tell you the math because i was horrible at math but it's like one six thousandth of like 10 to the thousandth power i have no idea it's honestly incomprehensible to do the math on how much less this man owes to the man who was forgiven of the debt right it's just incomprehensible and it's not someone who works for him it's a fellow man it's a fellow slave 100 denarii and he seized him and began to choke him he said pay back what you owe so his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying have patience with me and i will repay you the same words that this slave just spoke just just a few verses earlier but he was unwilling and went out and threw him into the prison until he should pay back what was owed you see the differences in the debt massive versus minor and then do you see the differences in the reactions to the debt a slave going to his king and the king feeling compassion and then a man going to his fellow man who owes him so much less and he chokes him the extremes of the differences that are happening right here has nothing to do with debt or with position it has to handle with the matter of the heart now you see that both of the both the king and the slave both confront about a debt right neither of them just the king didn't say well i'm just going to pretend that never happened no he confronted about the debt he knew the punishment and then felt compassion on the man and forgave him of his debt the second man went to his fellow man who owed him just so much little than what he had owed and his reaction wasn't compassion it was a chokehold saying you owe me this you owe me this christians in the room pay attention on which one you are again there's nothing wrong with the confrontation right but this is the deal and this is what changes the meaning of the confrontation confronting sin is a matter of the heart so when you want to confront someone about something they owe you something they've done to you something they've wronged you with what is your reason of confronting them is it to help them to edify them is it to bring them to a place where they can learn where they can grow is it to just say hey listen this is what happened i want this to be restored on us i want to forgive you of this but i just need to let you know what happened and i'm talking biblically listen if you get offended just because she looked at me different like that's like you gotta you gotta throw that away okay you can't you can't be offended just because someone didn't shake your hand and I forgot to shake your hand after service today. You can't, you can't get offended by these little things, but someone really biblically fails you. They've done something to you. They've wronged you. There's nothing wrong with confronting that person and saying, hey, listen, something happened. I want to address it, not because I want to hurt you, but because I want to edify you. I want to bring this to the service so hopefully it doesn't happen again because I want to help you. I want to help you progress. There's that heart so that you can have compassion and forgive them or there's a way the slave did it by holding them accountable and saying, you owe me something. You owe me this. You wronged me, and now I need something from you. And maybe it's not money, but maybe you're like, you owe me, like, you just need to tell me I was right. Maybe that's all you want. But you hold, you, you have their, their life in your hands, and you're choking them out saying, you owe me this. 
Can I challenge you, Christian, in this room? If that's what you're doing to someone right now, this story should scare you. Because if you're holding on to someone saying, you owe me this, and you're not willing to let go of whatever that is, you're not, you're, not, you're not bringing them the problem because you want to edify them. You're bringing it to them because you want to punish them. You don't want to bring them to a place of glory. You want to bring them to a place of shame. You want them to know that they need and they need to make it right with you. If that is what you're doing and you're holding them, the story should scare you. Because I want you to see the way that it ends. When we confront sin with that kind of heart, with the heart of a slave... I want you to see how the story ends, the unforgiving slave or servant. Verse 31, so when his fellow slaves saw what, he had happened, what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. And here's the verse, Christian, that you should pay attention to. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. You see, this is, this is what Jesus was trying to illustrate to his disciples. He said, if you want to receive his forgiveness, you need to mirror his mercy. If you want to receive that forgiveness of your debt that is so large, you need to mirror his mercy. I, I, I like that point, but it, sometimes it makes it seem like in order to get forgiveness, you got to do something. And so this is, I love how the theologian Snodgrass, which is a funny name, but it's his real name. Don't make fun of him. Snodgrass puts it like this. Forgiveness not shown is forgiveness not known. And what Jesus is trying to tell you in this parable is this. If you're holding someone like that, then you must not understand the depth of the debt that was paid for you. You must not get it. It must be, in, and it is incomprehensible for us to understand how deep our sin goes. It is, it is unfortunately, will never happen with our human minds and our human, just the way our spirit is. You are never gonna understand the depthness of, our, of your sin. You're not. Or really, how deep God's holiness is. You're never going to understand the vast separation between us and him. And yet he chose when he didn't have to, to erase this amazing debt, this huge debt between you and him. He sent his son that he would, he would be, that he would die. He would be the final lamb sacrifice that his sacrifice would cover us in righteousness that while we are still sinners, that he died for us like that, that, that God knew how deep our sin was and knew how great his holiness and still made a way for us to be forgiven, to erase our debt. And yet we must not understand that if for holding someone for a hundred denarii. It must be a forgiveness that we don't know yet. So we must not have received it. In order to receive forgiveness, we have to mirror his mercy. So my question is, how are you doing with that? 
Christian, how are you doing with mirroring the depth of forgiveness that God set in place? Are you holding on to things and using them as your excuse for why you act? You, you say words, and, and we were talking about this in, in our staff the other day. Do you say words like, well, that's just how I am. That's just the way I am. I just, I just can't let it go. I just can't do this. And you use a whole lot of I, I, I. Can I tell you what we, the, like the staff kind of talked about this. Do you understand Christian? I'm talking to Christians in here. Do you understand Christian that when you received Christ as your savior, the old was gone and the new has come. Like you are a new creation. So using the old saying, well, I just can't do that. It doesn't even, it can't even count anymore. Because you were supposed to be birthed into a new life. It was, you, you're right, you can't. That's why you needed the deep forgiveness from the Father to become something new. And now he is saying this, in order to walk in that, in order to act in that, in order, in order to even receive that full forgiveness, you now have to mirror this. It is incomprehensible how you're gonna do it. It is gonna take effort. It is gonna take pain. It is gonna take so much humility. But you can do it. Why? Because there's a Holy Spirit that lives inside of you that has made you new. And in this parable, Jesus is calling us to that. He's calling us not to do the, like just the least. He's not saying, well, listen, I guess that's enough. He's saying, no, limitless, boundaryless. That's what being my disciple looks like. Why? because we're here to be Christ-like, not sorta of, kinda Christ-like. So how are you doing with that? Is there someone that you're holding saying, you owe me this? Maybe you've never even said that to him, but that's the thought in your mind, man, if only they would, then I could forgive him, her, the challenge to you is that cannot be the case. That cannot be the stipulation you set. You can confront it, but not with a heart that tells you I owe you, but the heart that says, I don't know how this conversation's gonna go, but I forgive you. I'm not gonna hold it over your head. I'm not gonna hold it in my heart. I'm not gonna use it as the reason of why things are going on. I'm not gonna use it as the reason, the excuse of why I react or do the things that I wanna do or act like I, I should do. I'm gonna let it go. And I'm gonna continue to grow in becoming more and more like Jesus. Now I've said all that a lot to Christians, but maybe you're in here today and you're one of two people. One, you've known this message and you've walked away. You've walked away. And now in your mind, for whatever reason, you have now acted like God who forgave you of everything the first time now must have the attitude of the unforgiving servant. He must be like, well, now you're gonna have to do a little bit more to get back in my good graces. Can I just squash that? You will have to understand this. The Lord who forgave you of the deafness of your sin the first time forgives you every time. You do not have to worry just because you knew the message and walked away and now you wanna come back. You don't have to earn your way back to the spot you once were to finally start serving or to finally start going to Bible study or even to finally start feeling good about yourself. 
you can walk back right now, today, and be restored to the Father. Of course, there's work to be done in your life. I'm not saying that you go right back to, you know, box, you know, C or F or whatever. There's work to be done, but don't think that you have to get to that spot before God loves you fully again. He loves you right now, and he wants to forgive you of everything today. Or maybe you've never received this forgiveness, and in your brain, you're just like, dude, I'm sorry, Charlie, but I've done way too much to be forgiven. And in fact, in your brain, you'd rather have a punishment. You'd rather have a punishment so that you felt pretty good about coming back or coming for the first time. You'd rather be punished so you felt like you earned it. Can I tell you that thought right there? Throw it away. You can never earn it. The slave can never repay back the king. You can never earn your way. What you can do is you can receive the compassion. You can receive that Christ did die for you. And you can make God the God of your life, Jesus the Savior of your life. And you can be forgiven of every debt everything you've ever done today. And I want to give you that opportunity. So will everyone in here bow your head, close your eyes. If you're in here today and you're one of those two people, you've walked away or for the first time ever in your life and you want to be forgiven of what you feel is the massive debt the immense sin and you want to be forgiven of that right now and you want to come into a relationship with Jesus who loves you so much all I want you to do is raise your head and look at me just raise your head and look at me and keep looking at me okay with your heads up I see you with your heads up looking at me I cannot tell you how excited not only one as the pastor here how excited I am for you but how excited heaven is that you have made this commitment. They are rejoicing right now because Jesus is weeping with tears of joy because of the decision you've made. And I wanna pray with you right now and I'm gonna give you some things to do right after. So go ahead, bow your head, everyone. Repeat after me, Father, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be the savior of my life. Holy Spirit, I ask you into my life convict me comfort me Father right now as people have have said a salvation prayer God they've said they wanted you to forgive them of their sins that Jesus be the savior of their life the Holy Spirit coming into their life Father right now as they're sitting there listening God I pray that they would hear thoughts in their brain right now of how wonderful they are that God the thoughts the devil is trying to put in there you don't deserve this this is not true this is just a hoax God you would that they would flee out of their brains right now, Father. Holy Spirit, you would come in with this loud voice inside of their minds saying that they're lovely, they're wonderful, you have a plan for them, you have a purpose for them. Father, that right now they would feel a call of what they should do in life. They would, they would feel a burden for people, whatever the case is, Father, that they would not, that God, they would walk out of here knowing that something has changed, a debt, a burden has been lifted from them. And that God, now they can walk in freedom knowing that you are their savior. We thank you for that, Father. In your name we pray, amen. amen. If you did raise your hand and looked up at me, right over here in this corner, there's gonna be two sets of people. 
for the people that raise their head, there's gonna be some people here with a, with a badge saying next steps. They want to give you material. I understand you have appointments and all kinds of stuff you gotta get to. Someone might be waiting for you outside. There's nothing more important than the 30 something steps you'll take from your seat to over here. Because we, we don't want you to do this alone. You need to learn. You need to know exactly. Maybe, maybe you just know this is right, but you don't know all the things. We want to give you, we, we don't want to hide anything from you. We want to help you be as prepared as possible. Then other group that's over here is our prayer team. And if you're here today, whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, been here a thousand times, first time, if you need prayer today, our prayer team would love to pray for you. Again, one of our vision statements is a place to belong. So we don't want you to be alone. Okay. Can everyone stand up with me? Repeat after me, Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys next Sunday. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.